Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Kroll. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And you know, man has kind of mastered that art of separation, or maybe I should say the science of separation. Science has reduced and separated everything down to matter. A thing, something, can only exist if it can be defined by a number, a weight, or a measure of some sort. In fact, mainstream science says you don't even have a soul or a spirit. But our guest today writes, if, however, you find them, being soul and spirit, what do you do with them? So I ask you, what do we do and what matters? What really matters? What is soul and spirit? And how can we integrate the soul into our whole being, our health, well-being, and our healing? And what about our mental health? The word psychology comes from logos, meaning pattern, and psyche, meaning soul. How did we lose that? I believe it's time to put the soul back in psyche, and it's time to put the soul back into our understanding of who we are as human beings. How do we do this? Our guest today has a few answers. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind, connect with your heart, and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guest. With a doctorate in psychology from Harvard University, Dr. David Tresemer has followed many paths of research into the transpersonal realms of consciousness. He is the author of several books, and currently Dr. Tresemer heads the Association for Anthroposophic Psychology. Their flagship book, edited by Dr. Tresemer, is The Counselor, as if soul and spirit matter. Welcome, David. Wow, thank you. That was great. I just hope I can live up to this great introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? Let's just plan to have a fun, delightful conversation about all the above, and we'll both live up to it. How's that sound? This is great. Yeah, it's great. This This is so important, so important to understand exactly what you're talking about. So where do we begin? Well, let's begin with my traditional question. You've been on my show before with your lovely wife, Leela, and I Mm -hmm. enjoyed every minute of that. And I have a traditional question, so you are familiar with it, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask it again, because I do like to set the tone into this bigger meme here. So, David, share with our listeners, what does all things connected mean to you? Um, The Well, you referred to it because you talked about how we differentiated things, one thing from another, and and the first or a step to experiencing the unity of creation is to experience how they are connected. So that really to know how one thing works with another thing. I really like the notion that there are uh, no small or large miracles if you're in the zone of miracle, there's nothing small. If something 
is gone missing, and then it turns up right in the middle of your table. Uh, that may be a small miracle compared to uh, large miracles, such as uh, great healings for many people. But both of those show dramatically the interconnection between the things that we've learned to separate. This, uh, the Ken, Ken Wilber, the psych, well, he's many things. Let's, let's call him a psychologist at the moment. The, in terms of his psychological work, he talked years ago about um, a phenomenon that he named the pre-trans fallacy, that he observed people in the new age, people wanting to grow themselves uh, to become better human beings. He observed them wanting to go backwards into a tribal consciousness of uh, unity, oneness, where the, where the trees spoke and the water spoke and the wind would converse with you. And he said, well, that's actually understandable, but it is going backwards. There's actually, there's a time of the, the development of the sense of I. Now, the sense of I can have a lower ego part, which is sort of selfish and... Uh, mm kind of difficult. I've got a two-year-old uh, grandson right now, and, and he's, he's, he's very well developing that lower sense of I. And the, over the course of your life, however, you, you actually mature that I, where you're able to say, I am here, I am present, I'm awake. And when you do that, you go into trans-egoic, so from pre-egoic, which is the merging back into the tribal consciousness, into trans-egoic, which is learning to go beyond your oneness, your separate oneness, and interconnect with all things. That's, uh, that's actually where we are headed evolutionarily against many obstacles that are worrisome, actually, and make it more difficult. But it doesn't mean we can't enjoy the adventure. It's a big adventure. Mm. All it things is. connected. Good for you. Ugh. Thank you, David. You know, I really appreciate you bringing in that trans-egoic um, development that we're talking about here because so often, and I, and I read this in your book, The Counselor, it was, it was beautiful how in just one sentence you uh, again brought in that this ego doesn't even have to be separate from the soul. We've done this as a society. I wonder if you could speak to this before we dig into some of these other topics is that here we've, we're in this new age and so often people are like, we need to die to the ego. We need to, yeah. you know, not have the ego. We need to develop into this other, our sacred selves, our divine selves, or whatever. But yeah. I, I don't even remember what that one sentence was. I just remember how moved I was when I read it, where to me it was like, yes, yeah, someone else is saying, you know what? They're just like they're they're just like opposite ends of a continuum of one thing, or the thread of who we are as an I is both and. Can yeah. you speak to that a little bit? Well, it's like saying you want to go to uh, where do you want to go? Let's see. How about Indianapolis today? Let's go to Indianapolis. But I don't want to use these primitive vehicles called cars. I want to fly there. Okay. Um, ready, get set, go. Um, maybe a vehicle would be helpful for a, a time. 
would be until you learn how to actually fly there in consciousness, which could be in the evolutionary uh, future of humanity in a distant future. So I think people sense where humanity is going and they get this thing called impatience. <laughs> and it, it's really hard when you sense that you're, you're headed for someplace, that's your destiny. But hey, it's a few thousand years down the road. So um, we need these vehicles in order to build a strength of character that can actually sustain uh, something that can fly, consciousness that can actually uh, be ubiquitous and uh, appear in different places at the same time. Mm-hmm. There's a great book called the, um, what's this about this guy Spalding and t- called about the, it was called the masters of the East. It's seven volumes. I mean, it's really, but it's, this Europeans went to some place in, in kind of the Northern India, Tibet, Nepal area. And they were, um, they were, taking great pains to demonstrate how someone could say, well, see you later, Joe. Uh, and then two minutes later, cause they had their, their clocks synchronized two minutes later, he showed up 50 miles away and said, Oh, Jane, how are you? And, uh, <laughs> they had, they had sensed the possibility of this, but here's someone who was demonstrating it to them. And, and they, it was back in the thirties. So they really couldn't, they didn't know that that had occurred till, till uh, weeks later when Jane and Joe got together to compare notes and said, oh my gosh, look what happened. And uh, I think it is the part of the capacity of a, of a rare, for, rare number of human beings, but more important is about humanity itself. So anthroposophic, really not an easy word to pronounce, uh, but it really contains two roots. One is anthropos, one is Sophia, and Sophia being this, this generative power of life force and, and the creation of, uh, it's often translated as wisdom, but it's far more than that. The being of Sophia is actually our landscape, is, is the bodies of whom we live in, the body of air that we breathe, the body of water that courses through our interior and the body of earth, the body of warmth. So Sophia, and then there's Anthropos. Now Anthropos is humanity as a whole. It's a very big concept, which I actually don't see people talking about, but it's, but it just connect with this because we, we talk to people who work in very hard to just overcome the obstacles in their personal life. And then they work really hard to, uh, to make themselves a better person, um, either morally or through, some kind of spiritual powers and they work, work, work. And the, there is a goal to that. It's sure. It's to make a a better time for yourself in your next lifetime. Great. That's a, that's a commendable goal. Also, you are assisting humanity itself to evolve just one half an inch from living a, from living a virtuous and uh, aware life. Anthropos, that's what Anthropos is, really the, the possible humanity. And hum- Anthropos has a task to perform with Sophia. So that's why Anthropo- Anthropos, Sophia, Anthroposophic, Anthroposophic psychology. You talked about psyche and logos in a really fine way. I- I'm really heartened by 
the the degree to which you understand these things. Um, that this is the this is the groundwork in which soul and spirit have a function for the individual. Yeah, I, I really appreciate how you put those together. And thank you for defining that for our listeners, because like you said, anthroposophic is not an easy word to understand. And it's so much more. But this literally bringing the soul back into who we are as human beings and understanding that in, in the different disciplines. I know um, there's there's anthropology. Pacific medicine and, and other kinds of disciplines, yep. but thank you for doing that. So I'm, I'm curious if you would give us just a little bit of your history of how does a graduate of Harvard with a psychology degree begin to kind of study all these transpersonal realms and, and end up with anthroposophic psychology? What's your story, David? Yeah, so I worked with B.F. Skinner even. So mm. Skinner at, wow. at Harvard. So he was, um, he was, I could say, the father of behaviorism and uh, really seeing that humans are only a set of, he even wrote a book called Beyond Freedom and Dignity. He said these are silly concepts because they have no no basis in reality, but we're basically a bunch of, trainings all bound up in one bag called the body and uh with the body sort of came about by random random means and uh it, there there's there is no meaning because that's because it's we're only a product of our training and um so to work in that context i mean and it just became increasingly difficult to do so but what a great exposure to um to that other point of view or the, the reduced point of view, because everything was reduced to uh, simple simple operant conditioning is what he called it. But I'm not going to go into that part because that actually doesn't interest me anymore. So much was shut out. So much of human experience was shut out that yeah. um, that it really, I, I became, so I, <laughs> I, I began doing, I began, I began to be very interested in the psychology of Carl Jung, uh, as well as as the Freud, Freud has much to commend in it. Hard hard slog and a bit out of date and some real errors there. But a really, we owe Freud quite a bit to for the understanding of the complexity and the depth of the human being. Carl Jung took it further. Uh, I was working with practical therapy with uh, Al Peso, who had a place called the Psychomotor Institute in. Boston, just across the river from Cambridge, and uh, was became a trainee, first a client uh, in that kind of work. And I mean, the whole world opened up about what lives in the interior of human beings. And uh, I was so deeply impressed. And Steiner came along later. My, I, I tried to read Steiner three times, and twice I threw all the books away. I said, this is ridiculous. Who can read this stuff? And so I, now that I'm deeply involved in it, I take it as a personal challenge to translate the brilliant gems from Steiner into 
words that normal people can understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for doing that. Thank you. Thank you. One of the things that normal people can understand that I think is, is um, helpful here is, is that this approach of really, there's, there's so much to this approach and I don't want to just talk about the psychology because I want to talk about the soul and, and what all this means from your perspective, but your work in anthroposophy, Posophic psychology, I need to say it slower, I can't do it, really emphasizes the healthy, the true, the beautiful, and the good. You talk about that, the normal okay. and ideal course of development. We forget that adults continue to evolve and develop over time. And so looking at that healthy and beautiful and true and good is one way of, of focus that's very different than the whole world of pathology. Can you speak to mm -hmm. that? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the DSM, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, um, which is, it started out as 100 pages. Now it's 800 and uh, lots and lots of names and numbers now too for different disorders of the human being. And it's, and it has become... People call it a Bible, which is, I think, an affront, but, um, but meaning that it's used by a lot of people because government uses it, insurance companies use it, agencies use it, pharmaceutical company, companies use it, medical people use it. So this is their sort of their common go-to. And what is it? It's a, it's, a, it's a list of all the things that can be bad with you. Yeah. Well, they didn't, you know, so what's, what's good? In fact, where are you headed? So they, it's all from a point of view of, well, if you have this symptom, you've got this problem. And if you don't have that symptom, well, you must not have that problem. So it's all symptom oriented. If you stop showing symptoms, then you must be doing okay. And, and we, won't, we won't bother you anymore. Or we won't try to get money from the insurance companies to deal with you anymore. And uh, the, the emphasis on dis-ease is... Um, I think distorting, distorting. So I think we need um, we need something that is ac actually looking at the positive ways, all the miracles, all the amazing things that happen. So I have this grandson, for example, right? Just watching him walk, watching him interact with him talking, see how he learns routines so rapidly. You know, we do little routines and he'll imitate and uh, that, these are little minor miracles. There's so much going on in the brain. I mean, here's, here's an interesting anthroposophic idea. Uh, it's really important that you don't remember anything that happens before about age three. Because if you did, you'd be overwhelmed. There, there is so much going on organically, physically, psychologically, emotionally. There's so much going on that it, there is a, there's a, a function that actually shuts off memory for until you sort of wake up at age three, three and a half in that zone and start to use the word I rather than Bobby wants this. Bobby did that, you know, the kid talking about himself. Uh, and, but prior to that is the, the enormity of, then they do have some statistics about that in terms of the number of neurons that are setting their paths in the brain, right? The rate of that is 20, 40 times what you and I are experiencing now. It's amazing. 
So anyway, the miracles looking at, we call it salutogenesis as in salute, you know, uh, here's a toast. It's a good toast word. Salute. <laughs> <laughs> salutogenesis is a good term for emphasizing the healthy. Yeah. And so just to piggyback on that, you were talking about the child development and how important that is. And I referred to the adult development. Let's, let's speak a little bit about who we are as adults and how mm -hmm. we are evolving and growing into the fullest expression of ourselves mm -hmm. as, as soulful, as well as the individual I. Mm -hmm. Well, let me tell you a little bit about my view of the soul, which is interesting because I know you're aware of um, the many organizations and philosophies and teachers who really talk about, uh, really see life dualistically, uh, that there's sort of the body and the, the, the daily grind of getting it well-fed and well-slept and well-rested and well-exercised. And then on the dual side part of it is there's there's uh, there's there's the bliss world of uh, oneness. Well, anthroposophy sees it a bit different. So you have you can look at it as body, soul, and spirit. Right? There's three. There's a threefoldness that's really important. And the body actually is one of the biggest mysteries. How did the body come about? We may get you may, you and I may get into this discussion. We'll see. But so we we think we know the body. It's, it's something that you can touch and you know its boundaries. <laughs> and on the other side, so and that, that's really the province of a physician, the medical doctor. Really, that's the specialty of a medical doctor. On the other hand, on the other end is the province of the theologian or the priest or the minister or the spiritual teacher who, um, you know, is channeling um, spiritual inspirations. So that is up in the spirit world. And that is indeed a place of bliss, of eternity, of light, of um, freedom, of uh, all those good things. There is a spot in between, and uh, we call the soul. So in between, where our consciousness lies most of the time, we actually don't live in spirit land much. We, we touch it, and it's great to learn how to visit. But it's really not a place you want to go be because that's you, you were incarnated to be to really live in the soul life. But what is the soul? It's a place that is quite familiar with, in fact, interested in darkness, bonding, being chained in some ways rather than freedom of um, of sorrow, of grief rather than bliss all the time of um, all the opposites of what I said before. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is our place of drama. I mean, we're in a Shakespearean play. We're not on a rocket ship to oneness. And um, in my view, because look around you. I mean, how many people have disappeared into oneness that you know? Not many. Uh, I don't even know of any. I've heard, I've heard that it, it can happen, but I haven't experienced anything like that myself. You know, any of the people I know, mostly people are struggling and they're trying to learn how to grow their own soul. And that's that's the work of being a human being. Mm. So when you to a human being, true beingness is not passive. Beingness is a, an activity in all fronts. And. The soul work in that is to enhance and purify your being 
and to take on greater, as you take on greater powers, which you will do over time, you take on greater responsibilities. And you begin to open to, oh my God, it's not just me. Uh, there are other people involved in this. Oh my goodness, there is even perhaps a, a being called humanity. Oh my goodness, there's a being of the earth called Sophia. Now you awaken to these things over time through maturing. And it's perfectly appropriate to really just pay attention to the struggles of your own soul life. Although the only way to get through soul struggles is through relationship. So from the get-go, you are uh, you are bound you are bound to to others to teach you what they know about how to work with the challenges that you've been given. Mm. This is a really important piece. And I, I want to kind of springboard on this right after our break of how do we grow our own souls? We're, you're talking about this journey and we're not complete. We're, we're never really, I, I know there's a lot of new age here and I, I might upset somebody in in my words here, but there's so much talk about awakening and it's as if it's a destination that you make it like, ah, I made it, I'm awakened. And, and we, we, we talk to each other as if we're awakened. I, I see that all the time of people going, we're the awakened ones. And so we have a responsibility. I'm going to read this quote Be right before we go to break here. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to close with this quote. And when we come back, we're going to talk so much more about this journey of awakening. David says, everyone has experienced momentary anomalies, a brilliant insight, glorious revelation, great strength, presence and healing love however we should not conclude so easily that you're already there enlightened holy and then with a satisfied smile cease trying as i've experienced more than a few new agers and non-dualists we continue to learn to explore to develop in service of development of the eye. So much more about the development of this eye. We're going to take a quick break when we return. More with David Tresemer. Meditation channel, nonstop meditation music, 24 hours a day in the new Empower Radio app. Music to empower your meditation, help you relax, sleep, or provide a calm background while you work. The Empower Meditation channel is interruption-free. Listen now with the Empower Radio app, free in the App Store, or listen online at empower.fm. Soothe your soul, calm your mind. The Empower Meditation channel. Just now, another kid dropped out of school. There's one every 20 seconds, over 200 kids an hour. That adds up to nearly 5,000 kids every school day. If we do nothing, 3.5 million kids won't receive a diploma over the next four years. But there is someone who can change that. And that someone is you. United Way knows that kids who have a caring adult in their life are more likely to make it. So make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. 
Volunteer to read to children. Because the path to success or failure starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Take the pledge to volunteer now at unitedway.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Did you know that 7 in 10 girls believe they are not good enough or don't measure up in some way? I'm Amy Poehler. You may know me from film and television, but I'm also involved off-screen, encouraging young girls to be proud of who they are. Body image breakdowns and the pressure to be perfect often causes a girl's self-esteem to plummet. But by being positive role models, we can change that. The number one wish among girls is for their parents to communicate better with them, including more frequent and more open conversations. So get involved and start talking. Begin a conversation with a girl in your life about the importance of self-esteem. Tell her why she is beautiful and set an example by avoiding negative self-talk. You can make a difference in the lives of girls, and that is no laughing matter. This message was brought to you by American Women in Radio and Television and was made possible through the generous support of the Dove Self-Esteem Fund, working together to raise self-esteem in girls everywhere. To learn more, go to CampaignForRealBeauty.com. Thank you for making a difference. You're so annoying. You're so annoying. Stop copying stop me. Stop copying me. Mom, tell her to stop copying me. Mom, tell her to stop talking to me. Kids will spend 10 minutes copying everything their sibling says. You're such a You're doofus. You're such a doofus. How about two minutes to brush their teeth? Brushing for two minutes now can save your child from severe tooth pain later. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. Two minutes, twice a day. I have the time. Mom! Mom! A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ad Council. Empower your life. Empower Radio. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Hey, welcome back. If you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and maybe even listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's the drjulieshow.com. Also stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I always love to hear from you. Love your feedback. Thank you for sharing. And also join us over at goodofthewhole.com where we're exploring humanity's creative potential. You can find David and so much more about anthro. Pacific Psychology at that very same name, anthroposophicpsychology.org. Again, that's anthroposophicpsychology.org. Look at our page here if you need to learn how to spell that and find him. <laughs> David, it's not an easy word, David. I remember... I remember just like planning to have you on the show going, I don't know if I can do that. It's when, when we take the um, P-H-I-C off and put the P-H-Y on, I even struggle even more. It's such well, a difficult word. <laughs> I think just say Anthropos Sophia. I mean, those and and not try to connect them. I mean, that's a, kind of a German habit where they like to connect a bunch of nouns and make one big noun. <clears throat> yeah. So Anthropos Sophia, you can probably handle that much. And they're both beautiful, beautiful yeah. words in their own, you know? They're just really beautiful yeah. words. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for that. So Gosh, that break was full of inspiration. I'm so I'm so moved. I know, yeah. isn't that wonderful? It's I so wrote positive. down five things that now I'm I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Brush your teeth for two minutes, David. Okay. Yeah, I got okay. that. Okay. okay. Good. So right before the break, we were talking about 
how to grow your own soul. And and I, I kind of want to pull this thread through even just a little bit more because we were, you know, we were talking about this being adult development. Like we're on this journey, we're on this developmental path. And one of these experiences, although beautiful, you know, it's like we might have these experiences of holy experience, enlightenment experience, awakening. We might have a near-death experience. We might have this oneness experience, this sense of bliss. But this idea that we're done, that, oh, you know, we can cease trying, you write about. And, you know, I think it's important for us to really speak this into the field so others can really hear that, you know, we're on this journey and it and it's this unfolding and it's a beautiful thing. We, How can we welcome that more rather than mm-hmm. have it be this goal? Because I think a lot of times we create more separation. The new age creates mm-hmm. more separation. And what I'm finding is this this almost new age narcissism, David, where we have groups and organizations saying, well, we get it and they don't because they're mm-hmm. not awakened or they haven't had an awakening. And so let's talk about this developmental journey of mm-hmm. growing our own soul. I love how mm-hmm. you said that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and then there are obstacles that come up. I mean, in the, in the counselor book, we really have sections on reformulating contemporary clinical, what do we call it? Um, diagnoses and such as PTSD and depression and, um, and various personality, we'd go into all the personality disorders of which narcissism is typically seen as one. These are, if you see these as side roads, uh, actually, I'll tell you, we're doing a series of talks now around, um, actually around the country, on, uh, and we've, we're taking dead ends. We're taking the, main, the dead ends of the mainstream, mainstream psychology, and the mm. three dead ends we're taking right now are dementia. Oh, that's a dead end. Eating disorders, ooh, there's a dead end. Once you're diagnosed as anorexic, you know, that's sort of a, that's thought to be a kind of a dead end. And, uh, and also narcissism as the narcissistic personality disorder. Those are thought to be dead ends. And we're, by, by expanding, you know, we need to know the contemporary psychology, and I trained in that, and so have the faculty that we work with. And if you can expand your view of these dead ends, suddenly they're not, you're not in a dead end. You're not in a cul-de-sac. You're actually seeing, oh, this is a, this is a, this is like a large brick in the road and you have to step up over it, a log that you have to step up over, but it's not the end of, it's not a dead end. You can actually keep moving if you get the larger view. And that's been great. It's got a, we've, the reception of that has been really great, and I'm, I think we're going to continue. We'll do this series this year, and then next year we'll pick three more dead ends to really discuss with people. And the people in the audience go, oh, my gosh, what a different way of seeing that, and this is really helpful, hmm. rather than uh, you got your dead end diagnosis. So <clears throat> growing a soul. So if you – the soul is sort of being this middle middle person – between spirits streaming on the on the one hand from from everything ex- in existence and and prior to existence and beyond time and streaming through so there's there's spirit uh, 
And underneath you, you've got the physical. Oh, there's the physical coming up with all the magic of these elements coming up out of the earth and, and uh, these wonderful foods that it's eating in order to sustain the physical body, the miracles of, I mean, they, they still don't know, even know how the pancreas works or the spleen. Mm. I mean, they're discovering things all the time. You think that was, uh, that's done? No, the, the physical body is full of its own magic. And in the middle, you've got this soul. Now, we're not really conscious. It's really important to say you're not conscious of your body. You're aware of it if I point it out to you. But if I say, okay, what's, how's your right, um, your right, little, right foot, little toe, how does it feel? And how are, were you feeling it five minutes ago? Are you aware of it? Or, or am I suddenly making you aware of something to which normally you're pretty asleep? And the same thing is with spirit. That actually in the spiritual worlds, are you aware of the, of the extraordinary powers and forces that are moving through the cosmos? And it's actually the social scientists are amongst the worst of the reductionists. Because if you, if you really talk to an astrophysicist about their work, they are in awe about what, they're, what they do in their day, about what they're experiencing about the, the cosmos and its, and its magic. Um, so, so these things are streaming from both ends, and there you are in the middle, in your consciousness, where, where you're awake, you're awake in to the drama, into the challenge of, oh, I've got to get up, I've got to go to work, I've got to see this person, I've got to see that person, this isn't working. You know, what about politics? Oh, my goodness. And, um, you know, the increasing polarization between political parties is it bothering everybody. It's, it's painful to everybody. So that's the middle realm. That's your soul realm. That's, you get, that's what you get to work with as the, as the stuff of your life. And the, the challenge is to, um, to interact in a moral way. That's not so easy because the morality actually teases, teases out. There's a, there's a visitor that's, that lurks at the, low, at the lower domains of spirit, and that's called the I. I call it the I, capital I, or the I am. The one that, when it comes into you, says, oh, okay, I'm awake. Oh, David's here again. Right. Oh, yeah, I have been kind of going through my day in a kind of unconscious way, doing this, doing that. But uh, now I'm really here, and your senses get much more alive. These are the little moments of enlightenment. That's because I lured my I, my I am from spirit land into my present consciousness. And that's over time, you will be, the, the I will come and, and train your soul in, uh, in, in, and help purify it so that you purify your imaginations, you purify your actions. You purify your feelings and uh, that it's a process that takes time. And it's good that it takes time. I mean, some people, I, I know you know who I'm talking about, or, you know, I know you know some people who will, who will talk about, well, let's do ascension. In fact, let's take this white powder that's going to make us ascend right now. Well, actually, you don't want to go to heaven right now. Uh, you would not have a good time because all of your current faults would be magnified. And you would have a heck of a time trying to live with yourself with your imperfections amplified. No, you need to be in the zone of consciousness that's 
that's available to you and moving along step by step. Life will give you plenty of opportunities to do the right thing, which is to really work from a, a position of deep heart feeling. And that's where you can locate where you can, if you need to locate where this consciousness is being developed, the heart is a safe place to look. And, uh, and when you do that, you will find guidance for how to step by step, inch by inch, grow your own soul. As you do so, you will open new experiences will open up to you that you thought were impossible. You'd only read about them or seen them in a movie, but you will have them these experiences yourself. It's a training. It's a training that we we I think we signed a contract somewhere in heaven before coming down. I often view it as diving into the river of time. And uh, the, the, you, you, will, you will begin to feel pr the progress that you hoped preconception that you would have in this lifetime. <laughs> How's that? Beautiful, for beautiful. And so, David, let me just expand on that for a minute and unpack a few of these things because I love this step by step. Um, process of growing our soul and many write Wilbur's one of them about the levels of consciousness and um, you know we're talking about this stream this the spirit this animation that that animating consciousness that we have and we're talking about this development and so some some right many many theorists have levels of consciousness and it's almost as if um as we awaken to these newer levels and understand our interconnectedness, then we do practice these, these new ways of being, which is really interesting. It's like our soul expressing itself as human, our soul expressing itself as the interconnected beingness of all things with Sophia, with, with all things. So, I'm just wondering if you could speak a little bit more about these levels of consciousness and it, it kind of just, I, I guess here's my motivation, David, is I think it's time for us all to just relax into this process of growing our soul mm -hmm. and not race to that enlightenment, race to that ascension, race to that spiritual mm -hmm. whatever that that popular culture is mm -hmm. is talking about right now because it's everywhere but how do we relax into these levels and grow our soul knowing because literally our world is breaking down and mm -hmm. and the world that was built on a consciousness of of soul separation of just not soul separation let me not use that because you don't know if i'm saying s-o-l-e or s-o-u-l but on the consciousness of separation, we created all these institutions and organizations and systems that that were hierarchical, that were patriarchal, that were, you know, living in this idea of our separation. But as we mature and grow our soul and we're understanding this connectedness, those no longer serve us. And if we can go, oh, that's what's happening here, I think that we have permission to relax our body, relax mm -hmm. our minds, and really grow our soul. Help me out here. I know I'm kind of going on and on, but I would love to hear what you have to say about these levels of consciousness and how that's affecting our journey on this planet. 
You've got a great quality of voice, I have to say. I hope you're still seeing clients. Anyway. Um, oh, thank you. So um, when people are in this rush, and you and I have, sounds like we both experienced this, this rush, you have to ask, well, what's chasing you? Mm. What are you trying to, what's behind you that you just don't want to look at, but you feel that it creates an anxiety to move faster and faster to get out of here? So what's the get out of here? It's, um, you know, this is the, if you really tune into it, you realize, <laughs> I'll just share something that I had experience with because it relates to what you're talking about. Uh, there was a, two people who came to consulting with me and they wondered about, you know, they were, she was 40 and she was thinking, should I have a child? It's really kind of near the edge of my deciding to have a baby. Uh, should I, is the relationship strong enough? Uh, let, let's talk about can we just talk about our relationships and see if it's strong enough to uh, to think about becoming parents together and da 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 and, and um, all those excellent questions. And as she was doing this, I sensed, and she was feeling a lot of pressure because she was feeling the clock is ticking. It's just about out of time for that particular possibility of becoming a, a biological mother. And uh, I sensed all around her a chorus of millions of spirits, of beings, of uh, voices that wanted to come into this earth because it's such an exciting time to be alive because it's, any, it's not an easy time. And those are the best times to learn. So, you know, you could, I could feel this. And, um, you know, I, I sort of let these things knock three times. If they're, uh, you know, I've sort of say, well, okay, maybe I'm making this up, so I'll just let it go. But then it comes back three times, and then I take it seriously about this, the pressure to come in, to become a human being, with all the forgetfulness and the the deficits and the difficulties, and the challenges that human beings undertake, because there there is such a such a huge learning possibility. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. So people, and what you're describing is um, a world where all things are disconnected. And there's that, um, there's that, um, it, it, let, let's cut through one of those, and then I'll come back to the main question. Cut through another one of those. Really, we think, so let's say we're sitting with a person in a room, and we're having a conversation with them. And we think that there's a space between me and that other person. We call it air. And we, uh, but the truth is, actually air down where we can breathe is really thick. It's, you know, it's a kind of version of being underwater. And we would never say that there's, if you're down below, under the water in a swimming pool or in a diving suit, that there's nothing between you and the other person. No, it's thick. And so is air. But we have this idea that, oh, well, there's this space between us. And that is one of many illusions that we have about what our realities are. There are so many things we don't sense. And we, those limited senses, I feel, have been set up so that we aren't overwhelmed, that we have little, this is our little nursery school, wherein we can learn some of the basics with each other, including the hardest ones, which are a moral uh, moral encounters with each other. What is really the right 
not a, not the application of a, some abstract principle, but actually what arises in your heart in relationship to another human being. So, uh, evolution of consciousness. Uh, the one of the 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 you know, and we do trainings in anthroposophy. Hopefully, we can just mention that anthroposophic psychology at towards the end at some point. Uh, but let let me talk about. Anthroposophic psychology, coming from the philosophy of Rudolf Steiner, Steiner gave lots of hints. Sometimes I call it a, a really great chunk of Swiss cheese. It's got great structure, and there are a lot of holes. And those holes were intentional because he couldn't actually cover everything, even in 5,000 lectures, which he's left to us. Uh, he, he couldn't cover all of politics, agriculture, uh, movement, color, psychology, et cetera. I mean, it's just astonishing what he took on. Um, so these holes we get to fill in <clears throat> through personal experience, and that's actually intentional too. He gives hints. He doesn't tell you this is how it is. He says, here's a hint. Here's a place, a direction in which to look. And you might see the following, and he describes something. But it really is for us to create experiences or exercises. This is what we do in the trainings. Um, to create ex exercises that give experience so that people can validate these ideas in some way or another. One of those is evolution of human consciousness. That human consciousness is actually evolving and it's you know, full of stumbles and falls, and yet it is over time evolving from a place of relative unconsciousness, what I talked about at the beginning as the pre-egoic, into different versions of, of egoic, and then into a spiritual consciousness, which understands and experiences the spirit moving through all things, interconnecting all things. So, and that takes time. And there are different, mm -hmm. different levels of that um, having to do with how you, how you purify and enliven different aspects of the energy bodies that move through your physical body, that call your physical body home. Uh, so that is, we, we work with that all the time and it's really important to, um, to, uh, understand how to create experiences. So because a lot of people come, they've had some experience of anthroposophy, for example, which is, it's out there. It's in the Waldorf schools, although they are there, they don't push anthroposophy. That may be the foundation of Waldorf schools, but they don't push it at all. Uh, they just really push the, uh, the educational method, which I think is great. Um, so the, uh, the, so anthroposophy has many, many ideas, and we, we set up situations where we can experience them and verify and grow, grow these ideas through our own experience in, in our courses. So I'm, one of the, one of the aspects has to do with this character of the I, which we talked about earlier. The I am. I am present. Yeah. I'm awake. I'm here. That, that, that uh, very special experience of that's awakeness. When you're here and suddenly your senses become alive and you actually do feel your little toe on both feet and uh, et cetera, that, those experiences are um, that you can bring them more and more frequently and the nature of those experiences changes over time. And that's what the world is asking of you, not to be a robot, not to be an automaton applying 
principles that you've learned from someplace else, but to actually source those things yourself, verify them yourself, and then uh, then be a living example of these principles in action. Mm, yeah. And then we normalize. So, so again, you, you know, you talked about really, you know, we, we talked about what's healthy and true and good and beautiful, but all of these experiences are healthy and true and beautiful and good. Even mm-hmm. our traumas and our mm-hmm. dramas can mm-hmm. be part of our healthy. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Oh. David, we could go on and on and on, but I do want to give you just an opportunity to talk about this training because I think it is important if there are those out there saying, wait a minute, do they do continuing education? Do they do other training or certifications? Because we just have about four minutes left and I and I want to give you okay. an opportunity to talk about the Association of Anthro. So anthroposophic psychology and talk about the training for just a brief moment. Yeah. We've just graduated a group. It's a three, we love the format of three year trainings. Yes. We'll do a weekend here or there. And it's, um, I'm, you know, I'm sure you've had experiences of doing a weekend and thinking it's really great, but then it's gone in a month's time. And so to really stick with the same group of people and to create a community which is a great learning tool over three years, uh, three seminars a year. So it's nine seminars total, three seminars f- uh, in each of three years. And um, we have a, a little bit of internet connections through uh, phone calls, conference calls in between, but not much. It's actually really, uh, really emphasizing those seminars, the th- each seminar being five days long. Starts Wednesday afternoon, goes to Sunday. Uh, afternoon. And um, that gives an opportunity. Did you know you can get actually a counseling psychology degree now entirely online? I, I don't mind some of that training happening online. I mean, if you want to go over certain theories and, and uh, with the students and who are learning about these things, that's fine. But where you're really learning is person to person. The warmth that does not come through screen learning. So that's, we emphasize that. So nine, nine seminars. We just graduated a group in California after three years, and we're just now graduating a group in upstate New York. And we will be having new ones starting in April, 2018 um, in Wisconsin and also in Pennsylvania, west of Philadelphia. So uh, we love these trainings and uh, it's, it's on the website. People talk about their experiences and all those good things. And I think it's important to find ways in which to to enhance your own soul life through focus encounters with other human beings. You could you could actually join a theater training. That would be great too. Because if you really learn how to do Shakespeare with other people, you, you're going to grow. You're going to grow as a human being. Amen. But, <laughs> but we, we actually also like to have yeah. professional psychologists who want continuing education units, plus a life coaches, social workers, um, hospice workers, pastoral counselors, plus people who are there for their own personal development. Too many courses in counseling psychology do not teach personal development, and it's 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 a yeah. scam in my view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we like to have all all of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Thank you, David. Thank you for, for sharing so much of, of not only anthroposophic psychology, but who you are and, and bringing your essence through today. I really appreciate you joining me here today. Excellent. Thank you. Mm. You're welcome. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. You've been listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. I, I want to read this quote to close right before we close here. It's beautiful. Through the difficulties and challenges, we mature into wiser and more loving beings. We polish the rough diamond to reveal the true perfection that was always there. The path toward revelation of spirit involves work of the soul. We've been listening to David Tresimer and thank you for joining us again. Remember together we're creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>